0: and welcome to episode 352 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan.
1: Hi, Sarah.
0: So I'm excited about today's topic. I feel kind of warm and fuzzy about it because it's a really sweet topic. Um, We're talking about what it feels like and what it's actually like to be in a mothery role to kids who are not your own. So we're talking about everything from our nieces and nephews to like, your friend's kids and your kid's friends and that one neighbor kid who's just always in your yard. And this has changed so much for me over the years. And the pandemic has changed it a lot. So we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about some of the upsides, some of the trickier parts of trying to be in a sort of pseudo parental role to kids who are not your own. Um, And then just both like the emotional and the practical space that this occupies.
1: Yeah, I just have to say this is something I really miss about when my kids were younger. Um, and we're going to dive into more of the, you know, the ins and outs and, and perhaps there were a few times that it wasn't so great. And I don't miss those times, but like just overall, I feel like there was a long window of time when I constantly had a parade of kids through my house and Mm -hmm. not all of them, mine, many of them not. And, A lot of those kids, especially the cousins, the nieces and nephews, they still come around, but they're not little kids anymore. You're not scooping them up for a a little kiss. (laughs) No, no, not wiping anyone's butts anymore. I mean, there's just all those things are just not happening anymore. And um, it has changed. And there's some really lovely things that come with the kids getting older. But I miss it, too. I'm very nostalgic for those younger. Yeah. Younger, big kid um, times.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I, I feel warm, fuzzy nostalgia, too. And I did not have I have nieces and nephews now, but they all live far away and they're all little. When my kids were small, we did not have cousins or nieces and nephews, so I kind of had to manufacture that feeling with close friends, and I – just loved that feeling of being in a position where I could pick up another kid from preschool or be the one that they called when they were going into labor with their third kid. And I went like that closeness of community was really meaningful to me. And that was pre-pandemic times. And I know this has just been something that's really changed, I think, in the last couple of years. So we both feel we both feel warm and fuzzy about it. But I was also thinking about how you and I have both publicly said on the podcast that we're not really big fans of other people's kids in large groups when we don't know them. So I'm thinking yes. of things like field trip chaperoning or like classroom volunteering. Like a group of 15 or 20 kids who are not your own that you somehow have to like be in charge of. That's not actually what we're talking about today. Today we are talking about those more familial, more like extended tribe relationships mm-hmm. where you 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 might actually have some love for this kid who is not your own. So I wanted to clarify that yeah. too because I feel like we feel the same about large groups of other people's children, maybe not being our favorite thing.
1: You know, I have to say that that is something for me that has, um, changed, not as I've gotten older and like that, but as like my kids, friends have gotten older because they're like, if you had put me in charge of like a group of six-year-olds say that I didn't know it was like hair on the back of my neck, standing up, I would feel so awkward and uncomfortable and like just low level irritation the entire time. But now that I have teenagers and have had and have young adults, I am regularly around kids I really don't know, but they're like old kids. And that Mm -hmm. has a very different flavor to it for me. I find them very amusing, Mm -hmm. probably because I don't have to do anything with them. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not really expected to fill in as like like no, you know, Will's, you know, friend that I just met isn't going to walk up and call me mommy and like slide his sticky little hand into mine like that snack (laughs) or ask me for a snack. Right. They all just kind of do their thing. And I just sit there and watch and find it fascinating. So that's even something where like the downsides have evened out, but then the, um, upsides aren't as like warm and fuzzy anymore.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really interesting observation. I'm just heading into the teen years, but I do feel this very, like, there's like an, Oh, you're all so weird and cute. And like (laughs) when you're other people's teenagers are sort of weird and cute in the same way that maybe other people's Toddler. I don't know. Maybe we have more headspace now to notice these things if right. we were, you know, handed a couple of extra toddlers, we'd just be overwhelmed. So yeah, exactly. Um, I also wanted to mention this is in no way like a series or anything, but over the years we have touched on this in a couple different ways. I thought I'd mention, and I'll link these up in the show notes. So in 2019 we did a whole episode about other people's babies. Like, like, did we like to hold other people's babies and all that? Today we're going to be more talking about older kids, so that's kind of a nice pairing. And then in 2018, we have an episode that I still think about and I love called the other adults in our kids lives, which is really like the inverse of this, right? Because it's our kids and their relationships with teachers and coaches and their aunts and uncles and how important that is. So those are both really fun. And I will
1: link them up in the show notes. Probably we've talked about this other times, too. It's a through line, but I think those are the only times I can think of that we did whole episodes about it. Yeah. That's from our, O-U-R code mom hour.
0: OK, so we're going to start more on the in the kind of emotional space around mothering other people's children. So, Megan, I'm hoping you can tell everybody kind of how you wanted kids to perceive you, other people's children to experience you as a mom, um, like when they came over, when you watched your nieces and nephews, when you had other people's kids in your house. Like, what was the mom vibe you were going for, especially in those littler years? when yeah. kids really do kind of like they kind of look around for the grown up in the room or like right. you said, like slip a sticky hand into yours, like <laughs> right. especially in those years. What were you going? Yeah, for?
1: well, I, I think that um, it's the same as it was then. It just plays out a little bit differently. So I think I always kind of wanted to be a little bit like a like a 60s sitcom TV mom. Like. Mm-hmm kind of bustling around doing my own thing. So not hovering and not super involved, but like always this like warm, comforting presence Mm -hmm. with a, you know, like calling the kids to snack. I remember loving nothing more than like making a lunch or making a snack and calling all the children to Mm me to have their snacks or whatever. And then they can just go away and then I'll, I'll just busy myself around. I was always very into the home comforts, like wanting to make sure that ever, the snacks that everyone might want were there and like they all got to use the cup that they would want to use or mm-hmm. that they were all warm um, and fed. And nowadays, like my uh, my older boys' friends kind of make fun of me because I'll still walk around the house asking if everyone has a banky. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just being jokey, but like, yeah. you know, teenage boys will just drop where they like sleep, where they drop and it uh-huh. could be anywhere. And they're like, they're sleeping on backpacks and things. I've come down and found like one kid <laughs> with his head on the other kid's Sneakered feet. And I'm like, guys, I I have pillows. We're I better pla- than this, guys. We're better than this. I have all these bankies. I brought them down. So now I just make this big show um, about walking around asking every teenage, you know, man child in my house. Some of them I don't really know that well. But like, do you have a blanket? Do you have everything mm-hmm. you need? Do you know like where to find toilet paper? Yeah. Do you know where to find a glass if you're thirsty? Like all of those things. I really want to be to make sure that I'm a good hostess. Mm-hmm. Um I think I was more approachable as a mother figure when it was littler kids. And now I'm more just like, I don't know, like the what is, um, if you had a boarding house, mm-hmm. like um, uh, I'm picturing, yeah. like the, you like know, the like, host, yeah, the host, like the lady, the, the mm-hmm. kind of frowsy woman who's like slapping food on the table for the ranch hands, whatever. Yeah. I'm using yeah. a lot of television metaphors here, but um, that's kind of, I think, what it's what it's gravitated toward. But it's just yeah. that just being a presence. Yeah. How about yeah. you?
0: Um, very similar. So when, when I had little kids in my home who weren't mine and I'm talking really little, like one, two and three year olds. So I would be actually like basically helping out a friend through babysitting or something. It's not like they wandered down from the neighbors or something. I always really wanted to make sure they felt safe and, and not worried. I was an anxious kid myself who was nervous when I was left at new places and I've had a couple of anxious kids. So I really tried to know, like, okay, does this kid have a lovey? Are they a passy kid? Like, how can I explain to a two and a half year old, like why they're at my house and they're going to take a nap at my house and then mommy will come back when you wake up? Like I I did a lot of that, I think, because I just have extra empathy for it's confusing when you when you're three, say, and you kind of understand how the world works. But like, you don't really know why you're in this other lady's house and when your mom's going to be back. So I really leaned in on that. Just making sure they kind of knew, knew why they were there and, and that they were safe. Um, and then, you know, down to like the, like being a physical mom stand in, if I had to put them to bed, like snuggling them or reading them stories, um, with really little kids, if we had a trusted relationship with the family, I'm changing somebody's diaper, helping them in the bathroom if they need it, um, picking them up if they get hurt. So there was a lot of that. And then to your point, that all kind of falls away. And now that the kids are older, I, it's like I kind of hope that other people's kids don't really notice me but feel like all of that safety and comfort has transferred just to the home environment. So it's like I don't yeah. need them to notice me, but I still want them to feel like our home is safe and comforting and almost like they know they that they just feel good in the house. I I have really specific memories of having houses that I didn't feel particularly safe in as a kid and not that there was anything crazy going on like but I just felt nervous in other people's houses sometimes. So I think what I'm what I'm solving for is really being a home where people, like you said, know where the bathroom is, know where the water is, but also just feel like this is kind of a safe haven home. So I would say like you kind of like you said, like present but aloof, like within earshot, but not meddling. If a kid does need me or ask me a question, and now I'm picturing like the violet age, like a like a third grader, I do try to you know, really stop what I'm doing and make eye contact and, and kind of take them seriously. Cause it's intimidating to be a nine-year-old say in somebody else's house and have to say like, Oh, I need, you know, can I use this or is it okay if I do this? And so just to validate them that that is a skill set that's still developing in little kids. They're not three anymore, but they're also not 15. And there's like this kind of awkward transition where they do have to learn to advocate for themselves or say, can you text my mom? And da, 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 da. so, yeah, I think that's that's kind of where I land.
1: Um, I'm just thinking while you're talking about that, it's like you, I'm visualizing you like in one when they're little, you've got like your little hands on their shoulder and then you're slowly backing away yeah. and, they're, <laughs> yeah. and they're growing and like you're just become like kind of blending into the background. Um, I can also say from experience that typically teenage kids, you know, preteens and teens make terrible hosts and they don't yes. mean to be bad at it. They're just really <laughs> bad at it. I mean, they don't it doesn't occur to them that they might have to tell their friends yes. where things are or go through the, those motions to make them comfortable. So I think I've overcompensated in that way. But like you, I, I think it's also a good modeling thing.
0: Yeah. And I was going to say that, too, that like while your kids are learning how to be a host, you're at least modeling the behavior you hope they'll have someday. Right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, what are some of your favorite ways to actually get to know the kids who are not your own? I can go first on this um, because I love to have other people's kids in my car. It's just been a delight over the years. And, you know, the pandemic kind of wiped out ride sharing and carpools for us for a long time. And then we moved. So now we have like new relationships, but there's something that's just delightful to me about having other kids in my car, listening to the conversations that happen, but then also engaging those other kids in conversation. And I guess it's no different than enjoying time with your own kids in the car. And everybody knows that's because like kids are a little less guarded. They're looking straight ahead. You're not making eye contact. They can't run away from you. So there's all (laughs) kinds of fun conversations that happen in the car. But when I have had my kids and their friends in the car, it's just very revealing. You hear sometimes they forget you're there and they'll talk about Something that happened at school that's very juicy, like gossipy. My third grader is that way. Um, Other times you'll get a kid who's way more talkative than your own kid. So for a little while, I was driving a couple of seventh graders to school last year and my seventh grader said nothing the whole way. And the other one was telling me all kinds of stuff that was happening at school and <laughs> what was happening in the classes and when the test
1: was. And like, You got the tea on that one. Yeah, one, I got all the yeah, tea. Yeah.
0: So it, that's just been delightful. And I, if I can vote for carpools are sometimes a hassle to set up and they can sometimes seem like almost more trouble than they're worth. But there's a really cool like community and social aspect, I think, in having the trust to transport other people's children in your large vehicle. So yeah. that's the one that came up for me. I also love feeding other people's kids like you, exactly. Like you said, like, come and get the snacks friends. And like, yeah. you, you just like, you learn like the other kids have weird food preferences like yours, or they're not picky at all. And they're, they'll be like, can I have some horseradish on the, I don't know. That's a weird example, <laughs> like, but they're what? like, they, they get everything on, your, on their burger and your kids get plain and you're like, wow, all, def- all different kinds <laughs> of kids.
1: Um, I love that. And I I also love the car thing. I just think that that is like you said, it's like wh- whatever the blend of the mix of kids, whether it's yours, yours plus other kids or just other kids, um, it's just a great way to learn what's yeah. going on in their heads. Um, I one that came to mind that I hadn't even thought of before you started talking was when I was directing a lot of theater for teenagers, mostly. But also I did a couple of shows that were full um, full age cast. So from age six through 16, I think. And sometimes my kids would be in the shows. Um, Will did a couple with me. My nephew Jack did, I want to say three that I directed. But even when my kids weren't in the shows, um, they'd kind of come and hang around at rehearsals or um, hang out backstage. Like there's just been, like, that's been part of our lives. And that is, a, that is a totally different way to get to know a group of kids. Mm-hmm. Even when my kids aren't there, I'm getting to know their peers. Often mm-hmm. these are still kids I know from some other, you know, some they overlap with my sure. kids' friends or they are my kids' friends. And it's just, it brings out this goofiness in kids and like a, a confidence that in some of these same kids you wouldn't see um, if they were just like, I don't know, maybe walking the halls of school or something like that. They get around right. their theater friends and they act very different. And it's it's just an interesting way to get to know like almost like subcultures of kids. And mm-hmm. I'm sure all subcultures are have some similarities, but like any subculture brings with it like the insider language and... Yeah. Um, that's just been really fun. And, and really it, it's a, it, and I am kind of in this like mom role, but I'm not even there as anyone's mom necessarily. Right. So I'm not there to be mom. Right. Um, I've been in plays with people where I'm not even directing Like I'm not, I don't have any authority over them, but they still treat me. You're just a mom. Still, yeah. I'm just a mom and they'll call me mom. Sometimes that's been, sometimes I'm playing a mom. Sometimes not. I, I tend to get typecast, but, um, Another one that I really love is when I'm like working in the house or, you know, again, like kind of puttering. And often this is for me, like I'm in the kitchen and then all of my kids, my kids plus their friends are in just like the next room, in the dining room or the living room. And I can overhear everything. And it's like, they don't, they they kind of forget that I'm there. And they're often loud and obnoxious. And they're so funny. And I feel like I'm listening to stand up. It honestly, <laughs> it feels like I'm listening to stand up like a, like a show that I helped create because I made one of the humans, Uh but it's really funny and also just really silly. Um, they're so weird. And then often, especially the teenagers who are kind of proud of having their mom around and some are, and some aren't, I don't think it matters if you're cool or not. That really has nothing to do with it. It's just not about you. It's not about me at all, but some kids really want their friends to know their mom is like around and Will's like that. And he will pull me into the conversation, which is also really funny. Like, he'll be like, mom, 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 come in here. And um, we need your opinion about something. And I'll walk in the room and they ask me, the, they set me up, right? They set mm-hmm. me up for the joke. And then they ask me the question and then I answer it. <laughs> and then everyone laughs and then I leave the room. It's kind of, it's just, it's just charming and fun. And I, I get a kick out of it.
0: I love it. And also uh, I had a reminder recently that even Even if you think your teenager, your kid doesn't care to have you there and you barely see these other kids, you might be the cool mom. Like some of those kids might think your house is the most fun and you are the most cool because I reconnected recently with someone I knew when I was really little and we had not seen each other or talked in over, I don't know, 20 years and then some. And she said, I loved coming to your house. Remember your mom would make, she said, remember, we'd make our own pizzas with those bobbly pizza crusts. And I was like, I have no like, real no. memory of that. Yeah. And I talked to my mom and she didn't really remember that. So it's just a good reminder. And this was not like a bestie that was like in my house for 10 years straight between elementary and high school. It's just a, like a, someone that was in my orbit that I happened and to be. And that might've happened with. one
1: time. Right. Like the bobbly exactly. pizza crust might've been a one-time thing, but it stands out in your friends mind. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. So i think that's a good reminder that all these little efforts they might be getting through to somebody. We might be that warm cozy landing place for some kid who we will never have the chance to know that unless.
1: Right. Oh, yeah. i love that. I love that thought.
0: Yeah. Well, i am curious um because other people's kids are not the same as our own kids and i'm i'm curious if there's any ways that you behave around your own kids that you have found yourself changing or like Softening or altering when other people's kids are around. I'm thinking of like things like some homes have a really sarcastic sense of humor, or some homes are really like they yell a lot, even when they're not mad. It's just a yelly home, or they're super cuddly, and those aren't necessarily ways we show up for other people's kids, um, especially as kids get older. So, is there anything that you can think of in that category?
1: Well, I think when I was thinking about this question, I was thinking a lot also about things that I do in that don't translate to do in front of their friends, even Mm. if I'm not doing it with their friends. Um, sometimes it just doesn't translate. So I'm pretty honest with my kids and I'm pretty in the moment when it comes to like, um, I offering feedback. Constructive I'm just going to say constructive criticism. <laughs> like I'm like, what are you doing? Knock it off. Or, you know, I'm just like, seriously, you know, I, right. we have a lot of, it's kind of sarcasm. It's kind of like, I don't wait around for some family meeting to air my grievance. I'll just air it. And We all do that with each other and and we all, we get along really well. Our family is very harmonious, so we take it in stride. But I've noticed that if I call my kids out for acting ridiculous when they're with their friends, first of all, I'm going to be calling them out all the time because with their friends, they're more ridiculous. Like kids with their friends as a general rule are just, you know, 10 times as ridiculous. And then also no one likes to be criticized or even, even if it just looks like criticism, even if they know it's not, if their friends think it is, that's embarrassing. So I've really had to like learn to tone it down, let things go, save those in the moment comments mm-hmm. for later. And I've definitely, I definitely, w- it would not work for me. Like I can kind of be jokey with Jack, my nephew, cause I've known him since he was a, in, you know, newborn and he's 16 years old now. Um, that's really different than like Will's friend that he doesn't really know that well or his right. girlfriend. I'm right. not going to like, you know, just like give her constructive criticism <laughs> about the way she responds to me about something. So sometimes it also depends on the level of relationship. But I think in general, um, I just have to like kind of hit pause on some of the get keeping it real that yeah. I do with my kids when we're alone. How about yeah,
0: you? That makes sense. Um, well, the thing that I thought of is, I I mean, I am a verbal person. I talk a lot. I have a podcast where I talk for an hour, twice a week. Um, It's kind of how I connect and show love in a lot of ways. So with my own kids, I'm very talky. I also think I'm a good listener with them, but if they're not talking, I like to ask questions. I like to start new conversations. I love with three different ages. I love to kind of facilitate their conversation or like, what about this? And it's just the way that I am. I have a lot of words and I see sometimes how my family will look at each other and I'll be like, fine, fine, fine. I'll keep it short. Um, so when kid, when other people's kids are around, I do kind of remind myself that it's probably best to just shut up. Like it, uh, that does not translate to other people's children so well. First of all, it would come across as weird and nosy probably. And I am a little nosy. I do want to ask them like, Ooh, are you, is your mom remodeling your kitchen? Like, where did you, you know, I just, yeah. I have a lot of questions and this, other people's children are not meant to be the the landing place for my questions and my thoughts. So I really try to be present and warm, like I talked about earlier, but not uh, make a lot of conversation with other people's kids. They're not here to see me. They don't want to make small talk. And it still it may continue to be the way I bond with my own family, but it's not it doesn't feel right with other people's kids.
1: Yeah. Do you have memories of like being say in high school and having that friend whose mom just had to ask you so many questions or, or dad. I'm but, trying to think of uh, who
0: that would have been. I, I feel like I had more friends whose by high school, whose parents were in the category we're talking about where I thought they were really nice and really cool, but they were out of the room. I'm, I cannot yeah. picture a nosy one, but they're probably sure there probably
1: was. Well, um, in, in, my experience it was Jenna's mom and she's still like that now i mean we're now not really related but we see each other kind of a lot and she's still exactly it's like she asks so many questions and she was a therapist so okay. and then later was a episcopal priest and so i think it just came naturally to her in a helping yeah. you know type And but she really wanted to know things and her dad was absolutely silent would <laughs> would never say anything and he's still exactly the same and so growing when i would hang out there i remember thinking oh my gosh her her dad hates me oh. and her mom wants to know everything about me and can see through to my soul that's how I felt like like I could never like no matter what I said if I lied to her I thought she'd know like I just felt like she had a read on me and that her dad was completely disinterested or thought I was ridiculous and now I just now all these years it's just fun now 30 years later to go oh no that's just that's just who they are they're like they're they they, they were people too all along the whole time they were
0: just like midlife adults, right. like bumbling through like we right, are just like we are. I, know. I have to say Violet's age right now is really fun. She's just turned nine. She's in third grade. She has a couple really close friends, thankfully, through this pandemic. And it's so funny to talk to another third grader. And those of you listening with like second, third, fourth graders, they are aware enough of the world they're not really shy anymore. They'll have a conversation with you. But then like they're also full of baloney still a lot of the right. times like and sometimes you can see through to like where they've totally misunderstood something about how the world works or like in their family things are or I'll make conversation. I'll be like, oh, what, what are you guys doing this weekend? And like, they don't they don't know. They're still babies. And it's just really cute because they're like very talkative, um, sociable. They've been socialized by eight or nine or 10 years old, but they're still so little. And it's just it's really. Yeah. A fun thing to bond with kids of that age who aren't mine. Also, they don't need, you know, their faces wiped after every snack. And it's kind of fun.
1: They're not going to call you mommy. Probably not.
0: Nope. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately. And it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. Haya's chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables, and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free.
1: Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash momhour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash momhour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults.
0: OK, so I'm going to throw a hypothetical at you, Megan. Let's say all you right. have a house full of kids, which I know is a thing that you have had many that times happen, Yes, over the years, some of whom are not your own, but all of whom you know pretty well. So like, again, the good friends, the nieces and nephews. And there's some behavior going on that if it were your own kids, you would put it in check. So it's normally not okay in your house, but it's also not like dangerous or super toxic either, like emergency. So I'm trying to get a feel for how likely are you to step in with a group of kids who's not your own and sort of like course correct some behavior. And if you're going to step in, how might you do that? Or what might you say?
1: So two examples came to mind. Um, One would be, and this is particularly the case with the teenage boys, um, is swearing and like really rough language. So again, I'm not naive about, I'm not particularly offended by swearing and I'm not naive about it. I know that my teenage boys swear. I'm almost sure of it. I don't like when they do it in front of me. And then there's something particularly cringy about it when it's like four enormous young men yelling at each other across their (laughs) computer screens and they're throwing in like F-bombs or worse. And I just, I just don't want to hear it. Right. And so I would be the mom like a room away going, Hey, (laughs) like I kind of use gentle shaming (laughs) to get them to see the error of their ways. And then they do, like, it's never been something where I have to like now step in. Like, usually me going, Hey guys, or I don't want to hear that, you know, or something like that. I don't, it doesn't even have to be like swearing is bad or does you, you know, you kiss your mother with that mouth? It's not like that. I'm not, (laughs) I don't want to shame them as humans or even they're, I'm not even really criticizing their behavior, what I'm saying is I don't want to be around that. Like, it's almost like a it's, reminder, like, Hey, I'm here. That's what I was just remember my It's feelings? like yeah. a
0: reminder that like, you are not in a, a teenage bubble vacuum right now. You're part right. of a household and a community. And remember all that nice toilet paper and blankies? Like that came from <laughs> right. remember?
1: someone. Yeah. Remember the bankies? That was yeah. me. I did that for you. Yeah. I got yeah. your, I got your feet off your friend's stinky or your head off your friend's stinky <laughs> shoes. So, you know, give me a little, give me a little grace, a little class here. So that, Honestly, I have found teenage boys to be like one of the most is chagrinable, like a word like Mm, that I can, I can, with a very simple word or look, stop them in their tracks. And, and they might not, they might all like roll their eyes and laugh about it behind my back. I don't really care, but they all kind of respect it in a, in a way. So, um with the, with Clara. And again, I, my only experience is that my daughter happens to be the youngest and she's not a teenager yet. So that's all my experience with teenagers so far has been boys. Um, Clara, it tends to be more things like her and her friends are like, they're talking, they're kind of gossiping about something that happened in school, but it's, it's treading close to being really mean or Mm -hmm. overly dramatic. Like, you know, all the, our teacher, my teacher hates me because blah, blah, blah. Like that stuff like that really annoys me.
0: Almost like where they pile on and like one up each, like just ratcheting up. Yeah.
1: Well, and overly being so overly dramatic about how so the, the teachers hate me thing is a big one among Clara and her friends. Like it's got, it's like, yes, one upping about whose teachers are more mean. And Mm -hmm. now what's interesting with that is I will often say, Hey, you know, guys, like that does it. I don't know something. I'll just say something like, well, how would it feel if if you knew someone was talking about you like that, or do you think that's really what's going on? And I'm not, mm-hmm. again, I don't come down on them hard and I'm not, um not even trying to really be super critical, but the reaction from the 12 year old girls is very different. It's very defensive. And I'll be like, well, you don't even, you don't even understand. <laughs> so it's so funny how it's been so different with the teenager, the teenage boys and The preteen girls, like the way they react to being kind of gently called out Mm. is very different. And in my experience so far, I have found that that Clara and her friends will almost like double down. So Mm -hmm. sometimes just joking them out of it is better. But I don't know. I do feel like it needs to be called out, even if they don't react the way I want them to. I still want to make a practice of being like, I notice that you guys are being mean spirited, ridiculous, whatever the like, unfair, untrue. Right. Um. It's it does not go unnoticed, right? That's all. Yeah, yeah,
0: and yeah. like it, it's also it's nice for you to model that setting of boundary for yourself. And like I, I don't feel super comfortable being in a group of people who are just bashing somebody else or whatever. Right. It's just like that aware, bringing that awareness, like hey, right. I'm here, I'm here, right. I'm here, I'm still yeah. here. It's, it's tricky. And I want to say like at the outset, this is so different. If you are, if there's a group of kids that you really don't know at all versus the more often kids have been in your home, I think the more natural it feels to, you're never going to totally parent someone else's child, but my confidence in being able to like course correct some behavior is way different with very close friends than a group of kids I'm meeting for the first time. So as we talk about this, just acknowledging that like, it's, it's almost like a sliding scale, but on that sliding scale, I too am, I think I'm pretty likely to step in. And one reason is almost for my own kids benefit. Like we have this house that has pretty clear expectations and we treat each other a certain way. And we treat our home and our pets and our furniture a certain way. And if I, if I allowed a bunch of behavior, like let's say it was rough housing or something. And actually I'm, I'm okay with pillow fights and roughhousing for the most part in my house. But if it got to a point where I would ask my own kids to step outside or that I was getting nervous about safety, I definitely want to do that with other people's kids because it shows my kids that like those boundaries in our house don't change. Like we don't. Right. You mean it. (laughs) Exactly. And that could be said for swearing or for how we talk to our siblings or whatever. So in a way, if I step in and gently course correct other people's kids it's as much for my own household family culture as it is for those kids, because those kids can go home and swear up and down or like, you know, trash the couch or whatever. But in in my house, like our house rules. And that's usually how I would frame it. Like, oh, hey, guys, like in our house, like that kind of language isn't okay. or in our house, like we do that kind of play outside. And that way, again, like to your point, you're not shaming any individual, but you're just being like, oh, hey, like, here's how we do things in our house. So
1: yeah, I'm I'm pretty
0: likely to step in, I think, but there have definitely been times when I have not, and I have just observed. And then maybe it's something I bring up later with my kid or I just like, yeah, tuck it away. Like, Hmm. Okay. I wonder if that group of friends is going to land here again.
1: And sometimes it's behavior that's specific to a group that is not your sibling group. Like sometimes behavior, like groups create their own behaviors. Yeah. Um, so you might not have ever had a chance to even witness that before from your kids, and kids can act differently when they're around other people. And other it, one thing that's amazing about kids is that they all misbehave a little bit differently. So <laughs> there could be behaviors that you've literally never seen in your house before because your kids just it didn't occur to them. And out of the great grab bag of like naughty or annoying things to do, <laughs> your kids never plucked that particular you know prize. Right. So. Right some other kid brings it out and you're like, oh, now I have to have an opinion about this. I, right. I, don't, I haven't even had a chance to think about it yet. I'm yeah. very surprised. It reminds me of like when a kid, um, climbed, we had a staircase that had, you know, the top of the stairs, there was like a railing uh-huh. that went all the way around. And I came in like one of like, it was coming up the stairs. And one of my friends, kid, my kids, friends was like hanging off oh of the God. railing By their legs, like with their head over the stairs. And I just stood there and was like, I don't even know what to say. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I've never I've (laughs) never been faced with such a thing. And I was honestly just floored because it never would have occurred to me that I would have to have a rule about that. But I apparently did. So you
0: did. Yeah, I felt that way a lot when when I had other people's little, little ones in my home, because neither of my first two kids were physically very adventurous or active. And then I, my third kid was, but she wasn't here yet. So like when I had like a two and a four-year-old, my two and four-year-old were physically pretty calm. Um, Mm -hmm. not always emotionally calm, but, and then I would have, I would watch a friend's kids and they were climbers and jumpers and like throwers and headbangers. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And again. that's not necessarily behavior to correct, but to your point, it's, it's like, oh, I didn't, this wasn't a thing I've had to establish rules around in my house. Cause I right. didn't know it would happen. So
1: give yeah. me a minute here. Yeah. Give, give, me, a moment <laughs> give me a hot to second while this. you hang yep. off the
0: railing. Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> well, I am really curious if we can share uh, maybe a kid, another person's kid who really rubbed us the wrong way or just like wasn't a super great addition to your home or life and how we dealt with that. And I can go first. I just had one pop into my mind. Um, it was a little girl several years ago who was probably a third grader at the time. And she was an only child and was really not used to having younger siblings around, which is totally fair. Cause that's like, there's pros and cons and lots of different ways to have sibling groups or be an only child. And that's fine but she was really pretty mean to my, to the younger two siblings and on multiple occasions. And it was hard for me to have her around because it wasn't just that she was a little out of her league with like a a couple of younger kids running around. She was like, got in their face a little bit about it and like, was genuinely unkind and kind of dismissive and condescending Uh, again, repeatedly over time. I don't mean like once. And so it just like, was not a good fit. Like it was, I was like, I don't think we can have this sweet kid who I'm sure is just the lovely. It's not really about her necessarily, but it was not a good fit for my family. And it proved that over time. And I think I did say something a couple of times, like, Oh, you know, in our family, like they're just going to be younger siblings around, like that's the nature of this house. And we have a rule that we speak kindly to everyone. Cause she would just get real nasty. If one of the younger kids said something or like got too close or like, and I, it was, yeah. So I did have to kind of correct it a few times. And then that friendship just fizzled, which was the way the universe intended. And that happens a (laughs) lot with tricky friendships. Um, they, they have a way of fizzling themselves out.
1: Yeah. Um, so I have had an pretty much open door policy with friends, friendships, um, the whole time. And I will say it has worked 98% of the time. Um, where I just kind of let the kids work out what the boundaries are going to be. And maybe with a little gentle direction for me, like, oh, you know, we have a napping baby. Please don't come knocking on the right. front door because the dog will bark. But if, it's OK if you like, you know, go to the window and wave. And if anyone sees you, they'll come let you in. Like things like that. Like there was yeah. lots of workarounds that you would just deal with normal kind of clueless kid behavior. But usually my approach was to be super like, come one, come all, very, very welcoming. And 98% of the time that worked great. But then when it doesn't work, it like really super doesn't work. And there's a couple examples of that. But one that comes to mind was a kid who his whole entire family glommed on to us. It wasn't just the kid and there were no boundaries, like the whole family. And so they would just show up all the time, like mom, dad, the little sister and the boy. And the little sister was nasty to Clara. The little boy was problem. I'm just I'm not going to get too much into it, but the parents were the biggest problem. And it took me like three years to shake them. It was really hard. And like, I, it kind of was like, we had to just stop taking their calls and kind of ghost them. It was pretty bad. Um, I'm not sure what I could have done differently. And they did move. Finally, they did move. So it sort of took care of itself, but it was really uncomfortable there for for a minute. Yeah. Um, And I'm not sure what I could have done differently, except for maybe earlier figured out that like, oh, this kid, this family seems to have some boundary issues. And then just, I guess, just, not talk to them. I don't really know. Like it was such a small town. They lived like a few blocks away. And the other thing that was really hard is that the boy was in Will's class, but Owen was kind of obsessed with him and Owen didn't have any friends, his own age in the neighborhood. And so they would, they wanted Owen over all the time. And so he would just get on his little scooter and scoot down to this house. And they were really nice to him. they were very kind. um, And he was very welcomed there, but Will at the same time is like, I don't want to go over there. I don't really like this kid that much. And so the whole, it became like a whole family problem. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, a multi-generational issue boundaries issue. So, uh, you know, the way we dealt with it is we just slowly and painfully backed out of this relationship that was pretty messy. Yeah. So, you know, I guess live and learn, I wouldn't change anything about the way we've done almost every other relationship, Mm -hmm. but sometimes you do open the door to things like that. And then you have to kind of figure out how to, how to walk it back. And that's not always easy to do. And it was hard to do it in front of the kids and like, have them going, like, do you even like them? And I would be like, I mean, no, right. You know? And, um, Will's like, I don't want to hang out with this kid. And I'm like, I know, but his mom won't stop calling. Like, I don't know what to do. And yeah, so, yeah, that was, that was tricky. That's it's been years now, but it
0: it is really tricky, really tricky. Well, I want to kind of finish by talking more about the older kids, teens, and even young adults. And I'm curious for you um, and for listeners who don't know, so you live in the same town as um, two nieces and a nephew, and then you're close with your other nieces and nephews who live out of town. Um, Have you found ways to stay connected to those other people's kids, especially as they've gotten older? And by stay connected, I'm now not talking about just when they're in your house, hanging out with your kids, but like actually maintaining kind of that familial relationship as they get older. And have you enjoyed that as they've matured, like your nieces and nephews who are, I mean, some of them are now adults.
1: Yeah. um, Mario is 31. Oh my gosh. I know. (laughs) Yes. And I still remember when I found out he had been born. Um, Yeah. So he's my oldest nephew. Um, I mean, it depends on the kid for sure. So Mario and I text and we share stuff on Instagram. Um DMs, we share a lot of reels back and forth. Um Erin is kind of off doing her own thing. But whenever she's in town, like I always love to talk to her. Cecily and I text Cecily's also become very close friends with Clara. So they're like a little buddy group. And Cecily is, gosh, twenty seven mm-hmm. and Clara, no, twenty, no, twenty-five. Sorry, twenty-five. She's a year older than Jacob. Going on twenty-six, but she's considerably older than Clara. But when we go to visit, Clara will go spend the night at Cecily's apartment because they're like really good buddies. So mm-hmm. sometimes it's like through the kids that, mm-hmm. that we keep those relationships. And then with the teenagers, it's really more of just putting myself in their way and asking questions mm-hmm. um, and just remembering to include them in conversations. And there's always some common ground to talk about. There's always something. And I actually find preteens and teens in, in particular, very easy to talk to. If you just mm-hmm. give them a chance, There's they want to tell you about their lives often, yeah. not always, mm-hmm. but often especially if you have something interesting to ask them about, they'll, they'll open up and talk. Um, if you just kind of like, I don't know, give them a chance to, and I have aunts, um, that I'm still very close with that are, you know, Mm in their seventies now and sixties and seventies. And I really like that. So I'm hoping that that is the case with me and and my nephews and nieces too, and maybe even some really close friends of the kids.
0: Yeah. I, I'm thinking that technology, this is a point a a point in the pro column for technology and Instagram DMs and texting. Cause I have a couple of aunts that I'm quite close to, but I went through a long period of time where like, I just only saw them every couple of years at a family gathering and then we'd catch up or like, I might send a birthday card, but now I text with them like really close relationships, texting with my aunts who are in their sixties and seventies. And with the generation coming up now that technology is already in place. So I can see how it would provide just like a little touch point with those. It's like intergenerational, it's inner family, but they can still be kind of a sweet connection and like not to be morbid, but you just never know in the future, those familial ties, those not, maybe they're not blood ties, but like good friend of my mom or my friend's mom that I was always really close to. Like those can be really meaningful touch points down the road, um, as life goes on and things happen. So,
1: yeah, I would also just add to that, that sometimes you have to like, try a little harder to be on a platform that they're on that you maybe aren't into. And that's hard for me because, you know, you know, I don't want to do TikTok and I don't right. really want to do Snapchat. But um, there have been times when I've been on platforms like I was on Snapchat for a while, basically just to talk to my nieces and nephew. So mm-hmm. because they were just on there, uh, yeah. my older ones, and and they weren't texting as much and they would send pictures of their faces. And that was fun. <laughs> so, you know, being willing to try something, even if you aren't ever going to use the platform the way it's meant to be used you can actually just use it with like one person. That's okay. It's worth downloading for that. I love that.
0: Well, I, like, I have a totally different perspective here because I only have one teenager of my own. I don't have other teenagers that I'm close to or nieces and nephews who are older than my kids. So I just wanted to like touch on COVID and the pandemic and what it's kind of uh, done in the disruption of our ability to, stay close to other people's kids and see a kid through to, you know, like the little kid that you used to babysit in the neighborhood is now like driving by with a driver's license. And you're like, oh my gosh, like I knew you and you were, and of course the kid doesn't want to hear that, but that is a special Mm -hmm. thing about being rooted in a community. And, uh, the pandemic hit a pause on that for a lot of people who weren't mixing the same way with other families, or maybe like you weren't having teenage babysitters over or your kid wasn't going out and babysitting for a while. So I feel like, first of all, the pandemic had a huge pause in this area. And then for my family, we also moved, which means my 13 and 11 year old are experiencing new friendships, which is great. And I have really enjoyed getting to know some of their like preteen and teen friends, but it's not the same as like if we'd stayed where we were and had people that we'd known, like if we'd stayed in Arizona, even two moves ago, I'd now be seeing these teenagers that I'd known since they were babies. And so my moves have been they've, of course, been really positive. It's a net positive. But just validating that, like, you don't always get that opportunity to kind of have a through line. And it's it seems harder to build relationships with older kids and teens who are not your own, but maybe not not impossible. I really do want to be a little more involved in like Allegra's theater program and the middle school and just ways to like be that face in the background. Like that one mom who's around sometimes, like I do want to be known and I want other kids to, like I said, know that our, our house is a safe place and I'm a cool mom and all that, but it's definitely, I don't have the built-in relationships that you do.
1: Well, and I think that, I mean, a lot of people are finding themselves in the same boat um, with the pandemic did change everything. And even when I talk about things like theater, you know um, we haven't done a live show in, two years. I mean, there's just things are very, very different. And I've been really fortunate that I have those, uh, older kids that are just part of my life anyway, but yeah. even that has changed to some degree. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm ready for this to, <laughs> I'm ready for us to get back to some of those things. Cause it's, it is hard when you look back at all that's been really lost and like yeah. put on, put on hold for yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, this is really fun. I think there are tricky parts and we talked about some of the less fun parts, but I'm going to put for me, this is definitely in like a positive column of something that's meaningful. And like you said, entertaining, fun, Mm -hmm. like you learn a lot about how other families work and what other kids are like and how they tick. And so I'm a a fan of other people's kids, just not on a pumpkin patch field trip.
1: (laughs) Where I'll leave it. I will co-sign that. Oh well before we wrap, we want to remind you to check out our sponsor, kidsoul.com, with their line of cutting edge insoles, heel cups, and therapy socks that can keep kids' feet comfy and functional. Kidsoul's offering our listeners a super generous 40% off discount. Visit Kidsoul, that's K-I-D-S-O-L-E dot com slash the mom hour and use code MOMHOUR22 to get that 40% off.
0: Yeah, definitely check that out. And then I'm excited about a post we have on the blog this week by our contributor, Catherine. Um, She talked about finding community, and this is similar to what we're talking about today. Finding community as a mom who had moved away from her family of origin in the Midwest and settled in a totally different state and kind of starting over socially um, when she had kids. And she gives actually really practical advice for getting out there, going to a group or signing up for a class, even if that's not your style and almost kind of walks us through like where she is now versus when she first had a baby and had no friends. And it's something that we hear about so often from our listeners is like how to create that sense of community, how to make friends, how to get out there. And then of course there's been a pandemic. So Right. Um, Catherine did a great job and has some really specific tips and ideas and just shares her story. So we will link that up in the show notes. Um, And then I'm really excited. Next week, we are starting a two part series on the podcast here about pandemic babies who many of whom are turning to Megan. I don't know if you know, but we've been doing this for a couple of years. So (laughs) pandemic babies are now pandemic toddlers. And on our contributor team, we have seven or eight moms who have all had babies in the last 2 years and who are joining us to kind of reflect on the good the bad the really really hard um but also to kind of celebrate these pandemic babies who themselves are really special little creatures who added a lot of joy during this time so that'll be next Tuesday and the following so a, a two part series that I'm really excited about
1: I am too it reminds me of that thing that's going around on Instagram right now in reels and it's like Pandemic babies aren't babies anymore. And then it's people showing their, their toddler pandemic toddlers. It's yeah. crazy.
0: Yeah, so, it is crazy. Yeah, we have one contributor who's had two pandemic babies. Like in the time that we've been pandemicking, she's had two babies. So that's how long well, we've been doing this. Well, what else is she going to do? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Kept oh her my gosh. Busy. <laughs> exactly. All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everyone. We will be back next week with that pandemic babies episode. And we will talk to you soon.
1: Talk to you soon.
0: Keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data.
1: Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code theMomHour. Go to Erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P, and use code The Mom to save 20%. Hi everyone, Megan here. Sarah and I would absolutely love it if you would hit pause right now, like right where you're listening, and leave the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, this is one of the biggest ways you can thank us. And it really only takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening to Apple podcasts, you can navigate to the mom hours show listing. So when you're in the episode you're listening to right now, click where it says the mom hour just above the play button, and then scroll all the way to the bottom and you will see the ratings and reviews. We would love if you would leave us one as well. Thank you so much for listening.